Hello everybody, I'm Dwayne Mancini and welcome to another episode of MedTech Money brought to you by Project MedTech. If you need anything from us or would like to suggest a future guest, you can email us at info at projectmedtech.com. If you enjoy this podcast, please subscribe and leave a review. And you can always visit our website, www.projectmedtech.com or follow us on LinkedIn. If you are enjoying this content, don't forget to check out our other podcasts by searching Project MedTech on your favorite podcast platform or by heading to our website. Project MedTech is an interview-style podcast on the medtech industry where guests share stories, advice, pitfalls, trends, and innovations. In this episode, our host, Giovanni Loricella, and our guest, Catherine Bull from Carista, discuss why 100% of their business plans are wrong and why this is normal for the stage of company they are investing in, where and who they invest in, what they would like to do in their next fund, their focus on digital health, challenges startups face, why they only focus on France and Western Europe, the converging and merging of medtech and digital health, and so much more. So without further ado, Giovanni's discussion with Catherine Bull. Medical innovation starts with medical discussion. Talking about the future Catherine, thank you very much for being with us here today. This is the MedTech Money podcast series, powered by Project MedTech and sponsored by Lifeblood Capital. And so I want to say thank you for highlighting Carista today. We'll get into not only your background, but the company and the venture capital firm that you represent. And speaking of which, I've talked to MedTech entrepreneurs and investors around the world. And what I've discovered is that there's no silver bullet or specific formula or even magic about how to raise or invest capital in med tech, or for that matter, health tech, and we'll get in that too. So my goal here is to extract insights to demystify this process and help med tech innovators benefit from this information. And so this audience of med tech entrepreneurs and investors, what I'd like to do is highlight what our conversations are gonna be about today and share your stories and advice with what I imagine is that first time founder or CEO and has no clue of what lies ahead of them on this journey of raising capital. And I thought the best place to start is from learning from experienced professionals like yourself. So the discussion that we're gonna focus on today is, Carista, your background, the Paris-based venture capital firm that you represent, the focus of Carista and why there's a little bit of that digital health versus med tech spin, and we can talk about that. But before we get into any of that, I have several open-ended questions I wanted to throw over to you, and then we'll get into your background and Carista. So the first one is, do you believe that people and money are the lifeblood of a medtech startup? Why or why not? Or am I missing anything else important? So thank you uh, for your invitation. Uh, I'm happy to be here with you to discuss about my background and, of course, uh, uh, give any insight I can. <laughs> um, Life blood of medtech is a very good question. I think it's people first, always people first, because uh, I could add to your people and money uh, vision, uh, because you need to have, especially when you invested at very early stage, people that have a, a vision and uh, some some kind of a face in the in the future. Sometimes they're wrong, and sometimes they're right, and sometimes they are right, but too early, too early. But, um, um, comparison with the market but uh, if you don't have a vision and a cl uh, clear vision is very difficult and of course you need people that can support that can manage that can also uh, 
make some evolution of this vision uh, uh, during the time. So yeah, for sure, people is very, uh, very, very important. And, uh, and of course, without money, it's very difficult to, to do something. We can see that uh, the last weeks and months, we saw uh, even bigger uh, fundraising, uh, Series A, Series B, uh, dozen of uh, sometimes hundreds of million euros uh, at very early stage companies. So we'll see where, where it goes with this kind of runs, but for sure money is, uh, is very useful. And this notion of medical devices, med tech, or even health tech, there's regulations that are wrapped around them. It's a very complicated environment that we all work and play in. Do you believe in luck? Or how much does luck play into the success of medtech at all? Um, I think that uh, probably as uh, any uh, entrepreneur uh, venture, uh, sp- startup is only one, one kind of uh, venture, you need some, some luck or you need some good timing. I don't know if it's luck, but it's probably linked. Uh, uh, and as I just mentioned, sometimes there's very clear vision, but uh, 10 years uh, too early <laughs> uh, and uh, startups are dying because uh, they are waiting for a business models or for, uh, for, uh, for uh, the market to start, etc. And But, but the, 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 the vision uh, uh, finally happened. Uh, so there's, there's some kind of luck and sometimes you can say that it's not only luck because uh, if you got the, the right vision at the right timing, you probably have some better... Uh, feelings than, than other people so uh, it's very difficult to 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 differentiate but my my strong feeling is that you need sometimes some like yes because you, <laughs> you you need to have the good people in, in face of uh, facing to you at the right moment and sometimes the, the your uh, your internal champion is moving it, it could be uh, inside a, a vc fund or it could be inside a corporate and then you, you need to redo all the work so it's you, you are um, losing time, etc. So yes, I think yes. I think it's not only luck, but yes, good help. <laughs> and sometimes it's market timing too. We've, we've had some guests on the podcast say, you know, luck can be masked with market timing. And But I agree. I, I, I do believe in luck. There's sometimes there's just things that can't be explained. And uh, so thank you for that. Um, th- this is a newer question that I wanted to throw out there. And, and, I, and I like asking it to obviously investors because it, it's, it's important for entrepreneurs to hear. What is the most investable skill set or characteristic of a medtech entrepreneur that you have worked with or you've invested in? And, and in other words, what is the one thing that you look for in every entrepreneur that you assess or that you invest in? You know, it's a very good question, in fact, because we, we've got, in, in the last days, we've got some internal discussions in my, uh, my uh, colleagues about that. Uh, we, we're always searching for people that have a, a lot of skills of different kind of skills and, and, and competencies and, and, and experience. And for us, as an investor, it's very important to have the, uh, to have, uh, to have already uh, uh, go through the whole uh, pathway from the incorporation of the company, uh, funding, uh, re- refinancing, sometimes IPO or MA, and having do it once, uh, it's for sure better for us because you know all the 
the problems that you can encounter and, and also the opportunities. And probably if the second or the third, the third time you, you will be uh, able to, to catch the luck <laughs> more, e more easily than if it's the first time and your learning curve is, is, uh, is better, etc. But so having people are uh, the best is having a team, not only one, uh, one people. It's very important to have that in mind. Uh, that uh, this experience is very valuable for us. Uh, but we, we can't only searching for uh, serial entrepreneurs because uh, especially at early stage, uh, you could also have some very interesting topics, very interesting um, projects. And it's the first time team. Uh, and that's not the, the reason why you don't have to do that. So the fact, we, if it's the case, we are searching for people that are able to, to evolve with the company, to, to, to listen that it's not them only in that kind of structuration that will be, the, that will be able to do all the stories and they, they, are, they will um, hire some uh, other uh, skills during the, the journey. Uh, it could be also a CEO or manager uh, on top of them. And this kind of... I don't know. Uh, it's the, it's not so easy to uh, to uh, to find people able to uh, to understand that and to be agree with that. So, but that that exists. In fact, I I met some of them, and sometimes there's a very scientist funders that are willing to hire the CEO at the early beginning because they know that it's it's not their their goal. It's not their their mission to do that, and uh, they are very aware of that. So it's good for us. It's good. Uh, so first of all, uh, experience, uh, and uh, if if all the whole experience is not in the in the team, um, the the ability to to be aware of that and to uh, to make the the team evolve is very important for us, and um, uh, for sure uh, today and perhaps uh, now uh, it's uh, even uh, important than ever. You need to have uh, in the management team people able to convince investors. To come, to coming, to come. Sorry. So, uh, and uh, we we are seeing some very uh, interesting deals recently with very big uh, amount of money raised on Cedar uh, Series A with very few assets in the companies at very high valuation, especially in digital health. Even in France, it's coming, and it's very new for uh, for us. And for sure, because uh, I'm coming from the healthcare sector and we are looking first at the assets, IP, uh, um, results, uh, I don't know how many um, mouses um, did you uh, kill before <laughs> experience on, etc. So we are very uh, uh, focused uh, usually on this kind of uh, uh, deep results, I guess, as I can say, deep science. And... Um, the world is changing, and um, of course, it's better to having strong results, etc. But it's, it seems that it's very also important to have the ability to to raise money. And it's Thank not you. exactly the, the same skills sometimes. For sure not. And to your point earlier, that's why sometimes those early stage founders hire a CEO early on, especially if it's not their forte. So. Thank you for that very thorough answer on that. The, the, the next question I have is, you have been with Carista for a long time and, and now leading it as a managing partner. If you knew what you know now about being a med tech, deep tech, health tech 
investor, would you do it all over again? Why or why not? Or do you wish you could do something differently? Sure, I will, I will do the same. Uh, perhaps a little bit different. Perhaps, a, in fact, just my, my job is the, the best job ever, in fact, because uh, you're, uh, when you've got some funds to deploy, some, so, so not a small thing, but when you've got funds, it's, very, it's just, just great because you've got very high profile needs you or your money. Not exactly the same, but probably sometimes you. And uh, they need to explain to you how it works, why they want to do that, uh, how they want, they, they want to do that, and uh, take the time to explain it to you. Uh, and it's just great because they are brilliant. They are huge people. Uh, it's very diverse. Uh, every day is different. Sometimes there's some problems, of course. I, I, I won't, <laughs> I won't uh, <laughs> uh, sell something that is not right, but there's, there's some difficulties and, and up and downs, of course. But for sure, you are, you are in contact with very, very huge people with an incredible vision, and that's very uh, enthusiastic. So I won't uh, change my, my job for any other job. Um, if I would, would change something, perhaps... Sometimes uh, in the past, I'm uh, wondering if I would uh, I want to uh, to go in in a startup to to do something more operational. Uh, I don't know what exactly, but <laughs> you know, <laughs> something trying to do something. And in fact, I'm not sure that it could. I'm not sure that I I, I would be a, I would be a, a good in the, in an operational job. And in fact. At Carista now, Carista is also an enterprise, and we need to to run the, the company as another company. So you you need to create some new products. You need to hire people. You need to communicate. You need to do a lot of different kind of things that you are doing in the startups. So um, this uh, this venture, this entrepreneur uh, willing is in now is inside the Carista. So uh, I think that. I, I won't change uh, a lot of things, in fact. And I was happy to, to have uh, an experience in the labs before, uh, before joining Carista and before joining my, my previous, previous job too, because um, it's very important when you are talking with scientists, funders, physicians, or uh, just scientists to, to know what is it to, to work in the labs, because you know it's very different from, uh, from uh, being on, on a computer or in an office, et cetera. You are trying to do uh, things that are taking long time, <laughs> very long time, and you are redoing and redoing, and you are trying to to understand. And sometimes a colleague, another on another place in the planet, is doing something like you, and just putting all your results uh, uh, in garbage. So uh, it's very, very difficult, and uh, very you need to be very patient. I am not. Not enough for sure. <laughs> That's why I'm, <laughs> I stopped the, 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 my research uh, career very, uh, very uh, quickly. Um, I need to have some um, uh, things that are more concrete, more rapidly. But it's very important to, uh, to have this, this kind of experience in our job, I think. And, and you started alluding to it through your description right now about how you love your position. But being an investor, is it glamorous 
sometimes people who wish they could be an investor or a venture capitalist or even a CEO of a med tech company, they think this idea of being an executive or a CEO or an investor is so glamorous. Um, is being a venture capitalist glamorous? Yeah, in those days it is. Uh, so probably a lot of, of people, even, even very young people just are coming out from their stud, uh, student uh, journey uh, wanted to be um, an investor because you are from the outside being an investor, you are on the top of a big uh, amount of gold and you need, just need to put some checks here and here and here, but it's not so easy. In fact, uh, investing in company is the easier part of the job. Uh, the first uh, three to six months when you are discussing with the founder, trying to understand, deciding to invest, it's just the, the first steps and, and then the venture is starting. Uh, you need to be, um, um, and, and that, that the, the, the period where there's up and downs because sometimes everything is great, companies are doing well, financing is okay, uh, results are here, uh, turnover is increasing, etc., etc. But in, in, a, in fact, it's rare that the, the, the journey is uh, only uh, in, this, in this sense. Some, sometimes there's some troubles. Every, every time so there are some troubles. I can say that 100% of our business plans are wrong, for sure. We, we <laughs> never, never see uh, a, a business plan that is uh, reached. Never in 20 years from now. So uh, it could be uh, stressful, uh, but in fact, it's just normal because we are investors, early stage investors. So uh, we are um, betting on very early stage companies, early stage team, and sometimes emerging markets. So they are trying to figure the the future, but for sure the future is evolving and uh, it's not exactly what they planned. They have, that's why the ability of the founders of uh, evolving with the market of um, uh, make some repositioning, etc., is very important. And being an investor at early stage, that's, that's what it means. You need to support or not a manager in this journey. And it could be uh, sometimes very difficult because you need to choose uh, when it's um, still okay and the potential is still there. Uh, and, and sometimes it's not or you need to arbitrate because you've got other companies and you need to decide to stop to support a company it's very it's the hard, hardest de- uh, decision to to make for an investor in fact so it's glamorous from the outside it's not so easy uh, in real but it's still enthusiastic Thank you for that. And we're going to get into what your company does in more detail shortly, but just simplistically, Carista, the name, what does the name of your company mean? So we, uh, we changed our name two years ago uh, because previously our name was very uh, difficult to pronounce for a non-French uh, spoker, in fact. And we decided to choose the, the name of uh, a boat coming from a uh, um, a book from Jules Verne, a French uh, writer. So Carista is the name of a boat in, a, in, a, in, in one of these books. And it, in fact, it was very interesting for us to, to have the Jules Verne universe with, uh, with us. It's some, 
between uh, the science, fantastic sometimes, but visionary for sure, and always venturing and uh, a lot of different kind of things happens to the Jules Verne's um, personage. So it was, it was very uh, interesting for us to have this uh, kind of reference. Also, Jules Verne is a French uh, writer, as you know, but um, uh, translate in a lot of uh, <laughs> different languages. So also the... the um, the, the, this image was not only uh, French guys, uh, etc. So that was interest, interesting for us. And we, uh, with the, the, the image of the boat, it was also the, that we are uh, part of the venture, only, not only uh, the, the main uh, character, but uh, part of it and uh, supporting the company and not so bad for what we are doing, in fact. Oh. I don't know if it's your... Okay for you, but <laughs> no, I, I love I, I love that question, and I love asking that question to all my guests, just because their names are important. Names represent the company, right? And and sometimes they're very straightforward, and the answers are not so long, but there's always some thought put into them. And then there's very interesting names and purposes and reasons behind them. And so even a name from a book, like you said, it's good. And. Perhaps I can add that we, we didn't find uh, uh, an adverse sense uh, at Carista in another language. So that's good. <laughs> so oh, there you go. Something wrong. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's important. That's important. And so the woman behind the voice at this point, Catherine Bull, managing partner of Carista, tell us about yourself. Tell us about who you are, where you're from, how you built your career, your academics to leading up to the point where you're now managing partner of Carista. And then once we get there, we'll talk more about what Carista does. Okay, so in a few words, I, I was a, a molecular biologist by education a long time ago, and I, I worked a little, uh, a little bit at Institut Curie in Paris in oncology, very fundamental research. Uh, and I was boring, in fact, uh, for sure, uh, for two years there. Um, uh, so um, I decided to uh, to do something else, but I don't. I really didn't know exactly what because uh, when you have got a traditional academic um, uh, education, in fact, you don't know anything else except labs. <laughs> so uh, I decided to do to do an MBA, and that was the revelation. So there's a world outside. Wow! <laughs> so I learned about uh, marketing, uh, finance money, etc. Uh, um, uh, production too, initial production. Uh, I met some interesting uh, st studying travel in, in uh, Normandy uh, in uh, um, uh, food tech uh, <laughs> industry uh, sites. It was very industrial sites. It was very interesting for me. Um, and then uh, I joined uh, an incubator at the beginning with uh, a lot of very uh, clever um, Scientists, physicians, engineers wanted to uh, create their uh, startups. That was the beginning of the startups nation in France. Uh, I think it was 20 years ago, and uh, nobody really knew uh, anything about startups and VCs, etc. That was very, very beginning. And then I joined uh, Carista uh, because uh, I met with one of the Carista founders, uh, and, he, and he said, you know, we've got a lot of... Uh, healthcare project and we don't understand anything at all at that so do you know what do you want to join us to to manage it and I, I i take the lead on the healthcare practice since then and 
We just did uh, recently the, 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 the account and we invested in uh, 29 companies uh, since I, I, I joined. And it's not finished for sure. Uh, <laughs> is, that, is, that, uh, is that 29 in health? In health, yeah. In health. Okay. In health. And it's uh, 19, 90 in, uh, in the world. Wow. So. Okay. Uh, what what can I say? Uh, um, so now now that we're at Carista, because you were mentioning about how you've been investing at Carista, let the world know who doesn't know about Carista what you would like to tell them. What are the early stage? Are you late stage? You mentioned there's health, there's multiple divisions. So what do you invest in within health? And we can guide the conversation there and then focus there. But what does health really mean? What kind of technologies do you typically invest in? Do you invest only in France? Is it pan-European or is it global? Just whatever you want the world to know about who Carista is. Yeah, sure. So Carista uh, was incorporated 20 years ago now. So it's our 20 years anniversary uh, this year. So we, we plan to have a big uh, party uh, end of January, but we need to delay it, you know, by that, <laughs> <laughs> by this, this COVID situation. So uh, it's just delay, I hope. Uh, we invest in uh, every kind of uh, innovation uh, sectors. So healthcare, deep tech, digital, and more recently, space tech. Um, and I, I, I'm in charge of the health uh, sector for 18 years now. Uh, I'm not alone, of course. Uh, but in the, in my team, there's also people that are very um, very smart into digitals, different kind of digitals, clean tech, deep tech, hardware, etc., uh, electronics, tele telecommunications. So we are um, more. We are coming from a generalist uh, point of view. Uh, and investment, and we are we decided to uh, to focus our investment uh, four years ago to uh, to start our digital health fund. The reason was that um, we invested uh, in a very pioneering companies in the field in France named Voluntis, uh, and we learned a lot with Voluntis. We invested in 2006, so a long time ago, before every digital health stuff, and um, we decided to. Um, to invest in volunteers because the, the vision of Pierre Laurent, the CEO, was that uh, because of the, the, the arrival of smartphones, etc., patients will want to be more uh, active in his healthcare uh, takeover and in his, uh, in his own health, in fact, and that will be the trends. And for sure, he was right, but it was in 2006 and probably was right a little bit early before everybody, especially in Europe. So the, 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 the path was long for volunteers to, to go to the market. They decided to go in the US, etc. And we, we learned everything with them, regulatory, clinicals, mod, business models, pharma uh, partnerships, etc., etc. And they went, uh, they, they've been public in 2018. I would say, I would say something <laughs> like that. Uh, and so uh, we, we, we decided to, to launch this digital health fund because we, uh, with the, the work we done with the volunteers, we saw uh, the, the, the trends coming from the US 
uh, in advance, uh, as usual, uh, um, in advance um, comparison with Europe, and uh, we are we were pretty sure that it will come in Europe too, etc. At the beginning, when we launched the fund, um, corporates or institutionals that we are dealing with said, yes, yes, digital health, it, it will come for sure one day or one other, but you know, when? Three years later, everybody is okay, digital health is here, <laughs> etc. So that's that's good. That's the, the probably the good point from the, the pandemic. So everybody uh, was more aware of the, the needs and also what can be done with the digital uh, digitalization of the of the of the healthcare. A lot of things uh, needs to be uh, reinforced and for sure. Um, explore but uh, now it's it's okay it's it's not the future it's today so that's the the difference and uh, what we do what we are doing also at carista so it's investment in, into digital companies so what can say di traditional digital companies for example in smart cities companies um, uh, mobility uh, um, something like that and uh, recently, we launched a space tech fund, so very new kind of, uh, of uh, activity for us. Uh, and this space tech fund is uh, uh, in partnership with uh, the CNES, which is uh, the French NASA, as you can say. And we, we, we want to invest into companies that are using um, space data for terrestrial activities. So it's... Uh, it could be uh, in fintech, it could be agri-tech, it could be logistics, et cetera, et cetera. So very, uh, very broad uh, range of activities. And uh, in the in healthcare the at Carissa, we are three now, and we will be probably five with the, the, the future fund. And we are investing in France mainly and Western Europe for now. And early stage, mid-stage, late stage? early stage for now, so seed Series A. And we would like to uh, have, have the ability for the next fund to, to do some Series B too. So having the, the, the ability to, to go for, for the incorporation to the Series B. But we will stay, we will remain some early stage investor because that's where, what we are, in fact. We, we, are, we, we love uh, sourcing very early stage deals uh, helping stru uh, team structuration and supporting us as far as we can the, the, the management to um, to start the, the, the businesses, etc. So I want to start asking and breaking up this conversation some of these questions that I have. So Carista opened up this digital health fund several years ago, but in health, what did you do in health overall? Did you ever invest in pure medical, tangible medical devices, or was it always like a software platform? Before this digital health fund, we invested in every kind of uh, healthcare company. So biotechs, uh, biopharmas, um, medtechs, diagnostics. Also, um, uh, I, I would say um, wide biotech. I don't know if it's uh, clear for you some some techniques that can uh, improve the the production of uh, bacteria, etc., for having some kind of uh, chemical uh, molecules. So uh, we we did a lot of different kind of things. 
perhaps the, the common point was that we are searching for, uh, so you, you understood peoples, okay? But also uh, plat uh, technology platforms. So we, we are trying to find companies with a, a wide platform, technological platform that could, uh, that could uh, pro uh, provide different kinds of products. Because when you are investing very early stage, probably the first products targeting the first market, perhaps it could, it could not be the, the good one. If you, go, if you got only one asset, one product, you die. If you have a platform, you can reposition your technology, you can uh, evolve a little bit and can address another market with another product and you can survive and then probably be a success. So that's, that's what we are trying to, to find. So that was the case, for example, with Nanobiotics, which is an oncology company now listed on the NASDAQ. It was a wide platform to, to do some nanoparticles to treat cancer. We also did that with Eritech um, Pharma, also in oncology. It's uh, also a company listed on NASDAQ and uh, with the ability to have different kinds of products for uh, uh, blood, uh, blood cancer. First product was for uh, children, but the other ones was for uh, blood and then solid cancer. So, um, and we, uh, we, we are always trying to do that. Sometimes we are got some exception, that's for sure. It's always the, 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 the case when you've got some, investment thesis, you've got sometimes <laughs> a point a little bit outside. So uh, perhaps the, the, the last one uh, was Acticor Biotech, uh, uh, a company uh, dedicated uh, to um, uh, develop uh, a treatment against uh, the stroke, ischemic stroke. It's a monoclonal antibody uh, with a single asset company. So that was uh, an exception, but for sure we uh, will... We, we bet on the team, very, very seasoned team, and they are now um, have been able to develop their, their, their one asset onto different kind of um, uh, indications. So now it's a portfolio. So we'll see if it's a success at the end, but probably it's uh, relatively exceptional uh, in our portfolio. And uh, on the medtech side, it's a little bit different. Sometimes in medtech, in medtech you've got more uh, one, asset, one asset company, but, uh, for example, we invest in a, a company named Ecosense uh, in the pathology uh, field. So they are now um, uh, they commercialize a product named Fibroscan, which is the very uh, used uh, um, uh, medical device for a pathologist to, to measure the, the level of fibrosis uh, in a non-invasive manner. Uh, with elastography, so now it's uh, very uh, very common. In fact, in hospitals, that we when we invest, it was not. And um, same, they, they have the ability to to develop it into several kind of uh, organs, but they are, they are also decided to to stay very focused on the on the on the on the liver. Uh, what kind of example? Uh, more recently, we invest a company in cardiology named Tricares. So they are developing, you know. The company, but they are developing a replacement solution for a tricky speed valve. So very focused, but it's in medtech. It could be uh, more easy to have a one asset company, but if it's uh, a failure, you're just losing everything. So uh, and for and for 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 the moment, Trickers is very is going very well, and we are 
doing some compassionate use case. So we are very happy. So we'll see again. We will see only at the end if it's a, if it's a success. But and uh, about digital health, uh, in fact, it's really different because digital health could. Uh, could target very different kind of companies. Uh, it could be uh, some digital therapeutics companies as the volunteers with a um, development cycle uh, very uh, similar as a medtech company, uh, or it could be a, a, a SaaS platform with a more or less a regulatory uh, standpoint. So. In fact, probably in digital health, it's very important to have a manager able to execute uh, quickly and well uh, the plan. Of course, it's always important, but more in digital health than, than other field because the, the barriers, the, the differentiation between companies are very, sometimes very, uh, very weak. So uh, you need to go fast. So that's what I wanted to jump into. I'm glad that you brought us there to this conversation. The major differences between med tech or medical devices and then this digital health, right? So I want to wrap up how we got here. Um, so you started this digital health fund years ago. At this point in time, underneath the health umbrella within Carista, do you only do digital health? I know that you have previous investments in other styles of health companies that are still alive. But moving forward, is Krista only doing digital health out of this fund, or is there exceptions for medtech? So previously, we did, uh, you understand, uh, different kind of things. In this fund, we are mainly doing digital health investment. We also did one in uh, medtech, pure medtech, uh, class three, uh, wow, uh, moonshot company, <laughs> we'll see. Uh, in the following fund, probably we will do medtechs and digital health, and I will explain you why. It's my vision for now. We'll see in a few months if I, I still agree with me, but I think yes. In fact, the frontier between digital health and medtech company are evolving every every days, and we can see um, it's all probably the same for uh, drugs, but for for medtech, it's it's sure that that has patient data, healthcare data are coming uh, more and more uh, on, the, on the development pathway. And uh, probably it's difficult to separate, definitely separate the, the, the software solutions and the, met and the devices solutions. And probably each device in the future will, be, will come with uh, his uh, own apps, with his own ability to, to be personalized or to be as personalized as possible uh, uh, to, to treat this patient uh, and to adapt the, um, the usage uh, from this uh, physician or this country because it's also a learnings we can, uh, we can have from, uh, from the digital health um, space. The, one of the big uh, criteria, success for the criteria is uh, that it's very depending on the, the country or the, the, the area in the world where you are developing your, your product. If, if it's in Europe, it's not the same as in the US. Probably it's not the same in the US everywhere also. But in Europe, each country is different. Each uh, government is different. Each uh, healthcare ecosystem is different. So you need to adapt your product to each country. So it could be a... Um, 
uh, um, a weakness, but it also could be a, a, a strength. Uh, if you are comparing to, uh, for example, foreign uh, companies, example, American ones that are coming in, into Europe, it could be a barrier for, for, for us as Europeans. Um, and uh, it's very important to, to be um, uh, adaptable to the, the market you are targeting. Uh, and it's coming from usage and it's coming from uh, be very uh, proximate with the market, with the users, etc. And it's, it's not so easy. It's not the same thing when you are developing your drugs and for big farmers are commercializing it. Uh, in in uh, digital health, you need to be very... Um, Compliant. I don't know if it's the, the correct word with with your users. Could be patient, could be physician, etc. And probably at the end, devices will uh, will have this this layer too, uh, more and more. And we, my vision is that at the end, digital health and medtechs will will be uh, only one. I don't know if it's a market or one sector. Uh, for sure, when you have some development like your triggers for a. Uh, trigger speed valve replacement solution you have hardware it's a big science and big engineers etc but in fact they already used um, uh, math simulation to uh, develop the product they are already uh, sizing the product to each patient to be sure that it will be fit as, as, as well as possible so it's already there in fact but we are we are just talking about that now because <laughs> it's the it's the trends that so to me, uh, digital health is um, and medtech will uh, will will merge or converge. I don't know the the, the correct word. And perhaps for a, a part, an negligible part of the pharma, it will be the same because you will have more and more um, technology to um, to adapt the the development pathway of the drugs and the personalization of the drugs and also the the sizing. Or the selection of the patient that you can target with this kind of drugs, etc. It's already there too, but it will be uh, increased in the coming years for sure. So, to uh, to answer to your question, uh, is there two uh, world today? Yes, still, but they are converging, and perhaps at the end, uh, uh, even in pharma or biotech, uh, the the digital layer will be uh, present everywhere. It's not perhaps, in fact, it's true. So that's fascinating about how both digital health and med tech will converge. And, and I fully agree with you. Um, we're hearing more and more hardware technologies coming with software components, et cetera. So fully agree with you there. Um, the, the interesting thing, especially for people who know class three medical devices, like for example, the TRICARES, it's big technology, like you said, it has to go through many clinical trials, et cetera. Um, expensive to run. From an investment standpoint, we understand why those are risky or why they are challenging for sure. And you mentioned earlier on that typically med tech companies are a one product company. So when you invest in them, if you lose it, <laughs> you lose the whole thing. Yeah, exactly. What I, would, what I personally would love to know, hopefully the audience listening in will learn this too, is What's the challenge with digital health? And you mentioned something about a low barrier of entry, but if we if we understand that it's big science with class three medical devices and we all can understand the clinical trials and the expense that comes with that, what's the downside or what's the challenges, the objective challenges with investing in digital health? Um, 
In fact, it could it could also be uh, techniques uh, and algorithm and AI things etc. Uh, because uh, there's also big science sometimes in uh, in digital health companies. Huh? That's for sure. Uh, even when you are going on on the uh, twins, uh, digital twins uh, technologies or uh, simulations uh, uh, or algorithms that can uh, um, improve uh, a drug treatment, etc. That was the case for volunteers for sure. It was a class class two B uh, devices, software medical devices, because uh, it was able uh, to calculate the right insulin dose that you have to uh, inject. So if you if you did wrong the patient can die. So there's a big uh, challenge, in fact. Uh, um, but the, the I th in my view, the biggest challenge, the first one is uh, finding the right business model and uh, finding the right business model in each country. And it could be very different in France, in UK, in Spain, in Germany, and also very different in the US and perhaps in Canada, etc. And uh, I don't speak about the Asia, but it's also... So that's not so easy to have... Uh, to find about first for find a payer and then uh, uh, having it uh, in a consistent way for all the the, the, the global the global activity of the company and to me also uh, another challenge is um, 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 in fact having the the, the, the good uh, fit between the the solution and the usage because some recent studies show that uh, more than the clinical uh, results, than the clinical efficiency of uh, um, digital health product, it's uh, usability and uh, so fast, uh, uh, easy to use uh, product, and also um, um, I don't I don't, I don't know, how to uh, respond to the patient or to the physician or to the nurse uh, problems each days. Uh, and that was also a, a big learning from the COVID situation because we, we put some digital uh, tools uh, in reaction of the, of the COVID crisis to, uh, to the healthcare um, uh, providers. And it was a failure because they didn't have the time to, to learn, they didn't have the time to, to use it correctly, et cetera. So they, 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 they probably lose sometimes with these kind of tools though. Not all the tools for sure, but some of them. And because it's... Um, uh, really um, a matter of uh, usability, of ergonomy, of, uh, uh, of um, this kind of things that we are not so have so used to in healthcare because some in our mind is the physician is, is prescribed this, this drug and the patient taking the drug, but it's, it's not, <laughs> it doesn't work like that in fact. Um, and that's, that's probably where the, the digital um, sector can help us a lot, a lot and uh, we can learn a lot is uh, we, are, we will have a more and more real world evidence uh, data and we, uh, we can see that and we can manage it differently and we can uh, um, uh, incentivize uh, patients or families etc so it's big changes for, uh, for the, the sector and uh, it, it's still the beginning are patents an issue with digital health? Like patents in med tech, for example, it's, that's a huge focal point, right? Everyone wants to patent everything. In digital health, can you patent digital health or is there strategies for that? Or are sometimes digital health platforms not patentable? Sometimes it's not patentable at all. Sometimes 
companies decided not to patent, uh, for example, uh, an algorithm or something like that because it's uh, is they they wanted to keep it at, at a secret source. Uh, so there's a lot a lot of different kind of um, of strategy. Uh, for sure, it's less um, uh, less important because uh, because of the kind of technology that we are looking at than in other fields, uh, and and also because it's not uh, the same management. For example, in the US and Europe, uh, algorithms etc. So it's not so easy to to see if you've got, a, for example, a European patent that is very valuable in the US market. So. The, the IP uh, is not so easy, but for sure, uh, on the other hand, you need to have uh, all the, uh, the habilitation to, to have the data to the access to the data, uh, all the, um, the ser servers, etc. you need to have uh, in each country also uh, and to, uh, to have the ability to, uh, to manage um, uh, people data. So it's not so easy. It's another kind of barrier, in fact. Mm -hmm. the, this kind of certification um, and also with the, in the Europe and the uh, RGPD uh, rules etc so it's not so easy um, and um, you need to be sure that your software is yours and it's, it could be a, an issue when you are working for example with labs or academics labs etc if, if the, the algorithm has been developed in this kind of, uh, of uh, institution, sometimes there are several uh, students working on uh, uh, at the beginning of the software and then uh, coming from another lab, etc. And you don't exactly know who has what, <laughs> and uh, uh, it's 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 sometimes it's a nightmare, and you need to redevelop uh, the the software from uh, from this point. So it's uh, not exactly the same issues as uh, in the matex. But you need to be careful. And uh, the other uh, fears from uh, an investor standpoint about that is the, the black box. So mm. come, some, some, somebody come to you and explain, you know, my algorithm is doing that, but how? Oh, I can explain. Okay. <laughs> so I'm stressed. <laughs> so that's, that's the point. My, my last question here, I want to focus on geography. You mentioned earlier that Carista focuses in France and also in Western Europe. Two questions. How much is France versus the rest of Western Europe? Are you truly looking at everything Western Europe or is there a lot happening in France right now? Um, and then would you ever look outside of Europe or why not? What can, what's, what's influencing that decision? So today we are 30 30% uh, outside of France in this actual uh, funds. We hope that uh, the next one will be a little bit uh, broader outside. Um, but because we are early stage investor, we are happy to be not so far from our companies because sometimes we need to be there uh, quickly <laughs> and to manage the, the situation. So. Probably uh, we will have still half and half Europe, Western Europe and France for the, the coming uh, the coming fund. Uh, we are looking at every uh, company, so every uh, country, so UK, um, uh, Belgium and Netherlands, Germany, Switzerland, Italy, Spain. For now, a lot of uh, different kind of companies. We did two uh, investment outside of France for now, but we are looking at different kind of one. 
uh, we are doing our best to, to see uh, every uh, every project, but it's uh, it's a lot of work. Um, and um, for the outside of Europe, as I can say, so we are looking always uh, at the what what it happened in the US because it's ten years. Uh, 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 in front of us so we need to see uh, if for sure it's different the market is different the stakeholders are different etc so the, the fact is that no, we don't want to, to do exactly like in the US but there are some trends there are some energy there are some indications so we need to see what is happens over there and for sure uh, buyers acquire uh, from our companies could be there too so if there's already uh, several of companies uh, similar, perhaps we, we don't need to, to do another one. So that's that's uh, the way we are managing for that. And also we are trying to help the companies in our portfolio to, to be in the US as, as fast as possible, not too early, but as fast as possible because probably the market is easier, uh, uh, a little bit easier in the US because it's, the, the healthcare ecosystem is uh, probably a more um, um, interesting for these uh, digital health companies. Again, acquirers are over there. Uh, partnerships are very interesting, etc. So probably we'll have some uh, um, objective to have the, our portfolio companies in the US uh, in the, the two years after the, the financing. That could be a longer in a, in a biotech or in a medtech companies because you need to develop your product first. And, and you mentioned the 30% out of France right now, just based on numbers, clearly with the other 70% being invested in France and you also are running a digital health fund right now, there must be this boom of digital health being developed of innovation in France. I mean, is it is it a... Is it a hub? Is it a center? Is it a hotbed for innovation in digital health within Europe right now? Uh, in fact, France is not so uh, so. We we just saw the the, the last year uh, numbers. So yes, we we are the third or the second countries investing in digital health uh, in two thousand twenty one. Two hundred oh yeah, two thousand twenty one. So not not so bad for for a while. Um, probably not the the first because I think the first is the UK far away uh, in front of us but not so uh, not not too many delay for now and i think that the the, the actual government is uh, really wanted to uh, to develop this digital uh, health uh, field and to help the companies to have some business model with uh, pro- programs like etap or uh, something like that that are some pilots to see if there's a way to uh, to finance these kind of solutions but as you probably know, 2022 is also a presidential election year. So I, I, I am afraid that there's some, <laughs> some delays because be, between March from, from March to, uh, to September, everything will be a little bit freeze, but we'll see. Uh, and uh, I think the, the, three, uh, the three first country are UK, Germany, and France probably. Uh, I don't know uh, if France is two or three, but uh, because I'm French, I would, I would say it's second, but <laughs> not sure that's that's correct uh, and for sure there's a lot of money on the market on the french market now and in european one um we we are uh, we did last year uh mapping digit, uh, digital health european digital health fund mapping uh we will uh, update the mapping end of march so we'll see if there's a 
more uh, funds? Uh, what kind of different funds uh, from uh, uh, from la, la, last year? And if it's my 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 feeling is that there will be more funds, but probably more uh, late stage funds. We'll see if I'm correct, because the companies are maturing and investors are following the wave. So probably that will be the the consequence. But we'll see. Catherine Boone, Managing Partner of Carista. Thank you very much for your time. This has been very insightful. I'm glad that we talked about the merging and converging of med tech and digital health. You've certainly demystified the digital health aspect for us and also even how you actually invest within Europe and the reasons why. So thank you very much. This is the MedTech Money podcast series where we demystify raising and investing capital. Thank you, Giovanni. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe and leave a review. If you need anything from the podcast, you can always contact us at info at projectmedtech.com. Thanks for listening and have a great day.